think one of the best things about gifts when somebody thinks I know best is that you can recycle it? I remember those wet wedding gifts where people thought we know best and, uh, you know, for the next five years we were actually, we, we didn't have to buy anyone a wedding present. We already had something stored in the cupboard. So uh, that's fantastic. Hey, I just want to say it's great to see you in church this morning. also want to say it's great to see everyone online. I know it's half term, so some of you are watching from your caravans or your holiday cottages or your villas in the Caribbean or wherever you are this morning. So come on, why don't we just welcome everybody. This morning, and you can, in the room, you can take your seats. Fantastic. We're starting today a three-part series on the book of Habakkuk, or uh, Habakkuk. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll do the English version, Habakkuk, and um, it will be broken up by next week's vision offering, but uh, other than that, we're going to take three weeks. And someone said to me this morning, they were really excited because they'd actually never heard a series of messages from the book of Habakkuk, and I have to confess, neither have I, Um, and uh, there are some famous verses in Habakkuk that people talk about and people uh, mention a lot, and in fact, you know, they get mentioned quite a bit, really, in church life, but actually, I wanted us to delve in to the the book and chunks of the book, um, just three chapters over those next three weeks when we do that, and as I said, next week we take a uh, a break for our vision offering. I hope everything goes all right today because my devices are like going crazy this morning. I can't, like my iPhone won't shut off, can't update it. My notes are in a strange format for some reason. I think the gremlins have got in all my devices. We will be going back to pen and paper um, if this carries on. But anyway, I think we're all right. I think I can read my notes. It's great. Well, Habakkuk, what do we know about Habakkuk? Well, he was a prophet. And uh, some prophets in the Old Testament uh, were people who, like, they wandered around and um, turned up sort of unannounced in places with the word of the Lord, or they, you know, lived in certain places and they were called about on, on. But then there were other types of prophet called temple prophets. And these were people who it was their job to prophesy. And uh, they, their job was to be, turn up at the temple each day. And often they were to prophesy. And often they were singers. And they were musicians who did this. Um, they'd existed from the time of King David. Um, and uh, in 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1, here's a verse that tells us about these type of prophets. It says... David, together with the commanders of the army, set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun for the ministry of prophesying accompanied by harps, lyres, cymbals, and electric guitars. And, um, but you can see the idea that these prophets were singers. They were to declare God's word in song. And I love it today, just this sense in worship that as we're singing those songs, as we're hearing those words sung. It's God declaring his word. It's God speaking over us. It's God prophesying over us. We're not at a concert today and there's nothing wrong with a concert. I love them. But today we're prophesying God's word. We're telling the truth about who God is and what God can do in our lives. Well, Habakkuk was one of those people. He could have been stood stage right. He could have been stood stage left. We don't know. And uh, he prophesied this book somewhere between 609 and 630 BC. And 
It's just before Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom has already been taken captive by Syria and disappeared. But it's literally just before the southern kingdom is taken captive by the Babylonians. And Habakkuk can see that coming. He can see what's on the horizons. The prophets, the other prophets, all the other prophets attributed the destruction of Israel and the impending destruction of Judah, you know, to the people's refusal to follow God. Despite their warnings and pleadings, they attributed the fact that these nations, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, would be taken captive because they rebelled against God. Habakkuk, however, is different. He's different to all the other prophets, and it's what intrigued me about him. Whereas the other prophets, you know, pleaded with the people to turn and repent uh, and turn back to God, Habakkuk actually questions God. Habakkuk blames God for in his, his inaction. He complains to God about his lack of action. All the other prophets blame the people for their lack of following. But Habakkuk complains to God. He's totally honest with God about how he feels. Totally honest with God about how he feels. The title of this first message in this series is Honestly God? Honestly God? Let me read from Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 to 13. It says this, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received, how long Lord? How long must I call for help, but you do not listen? How long do I have to cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at all this injustice? Why are you tolerating wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch. Well, this is God's, that's his complaint. So we should pause there. That's his, his blaming God. Where are you? Why are you inactive? Why are you making this happen? Why am I having to look on all this? But then God replies, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. We love that verse, don't we? Habakkuk loved that bit of the verse. But then this bit, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour its prey. They come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities. You thought some of the songs that we sing in Icon Church were worthy. What about this one? By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Lord, 
Are you not from everlasting? My God, the Holy One, you will never die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? That's just the first part of chapter 1. Habakkuk essentially in chapter 1 has two complaints. We didn't read the second, but he has two complaints to God. And two issues that he has with God in this moment. I wonder if you ever had issues with God. I know I have in my life. Like, why, Lord? Why me, Lord? Why them, Lord? Why this God is happening? His first complaint is this. How long? How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to cry out to you? Why are you not listening? You know, where, where's, where's this inactivity coming from? Where are you, God? Your law is being neglected in Judah. The, rebel, re, the people are re, rebelling against you. Nobody is keeping the Torah, and they understood the Torah, the, the laws of the Old Testament, to be the way of life to flourish in God's kingdom. And Habakkuk says, how long, God, are you going to tolerate this? How long are you going to put up with this? And being active. There's violence and injustice in the land. The leadership is corrupt. How long do I have to cry out? You ever had a prayer that you've prayed for months and years and you've thought, how long, God? This question, and in Habakkuk's case, it's a complaint, it's not a question, is common amongst God's people. When will you answer? When will you heal me? When will you help me? When will you restore me? How long? Even you too wrote a song about it. You can check it out after the service. It's called 40, based on Psalm 40. King David, in Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2, put it like this. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long am I going to feel like this? How long will my enemy triumph over me? God, why don't you do something? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there about a situation in your life? Maybe you've been there. I've been, you've, maybe you've been there about a person. God, why don't you intervene? Why don't you do something? How long have I got to put up with this boss? Or how long have I got to carry on? Well, God answers. He says, I've got it covered. I've got it covered. But then he says something Habakkuk doesn't want to hear. He says something, and he says, I'm going to use the Babylonians to judge my people. And he didn't see that coming. That's not the answer he wanted. He wanted that I've got it covered bit, but he didn't want, I'm going to use the Babylonians. And that leads to his second complaint. You must be joking. You have got to be kidding me. Honestly, God, the title of the message, honestly, God, you're going to do what? You're going to do that? There's no way you can do that. How can you judge a righteous or a more righteous people with a less righteous people? How can you do that? It's not not fair. The Babylonians are worse than us. Honestly, God. You cannot be serious. Maybe you've been there too. 
you know, not just how long God, but no way God. Maybe you've been there, not them, not that. Maybe you've been in the place, don't ask me to do that. It's getting very smoky in here. I don't know if anybody can turn the smoke machine off. That would be really helpful. You know, sometimes it feels like we're waiting for an answer from God for a long time, doesn't it? We're thinking, where is God? Why is he silent? Why can't I sense his presence? Where is God in this moment? Sometimes then God answers and says, I've got it covered. But the answer comes and it's a route, a way, an answer that we weren't expecting. Have you ever been there too? Not that way, Lord. Not them, Lord. Not that job. Not that way. Does it have to be an operation to get here? Why don't you just heal me? Why don't you just, Lord, heal me and deliver me? I know you can. Do you have to do it that way? Sometimes we're not happy and that's just life. But sometimes we're not happy with God. But I want to say very rarely are we honest with God. Very rarely are we honest with God. So my question this morning is what would you say if you were honest with God? What I love about Habakkuk, he was totally honest with God. He told exactly how he felt. He's got this job, as I've said, as a temple prophet. He, he would, as a temple prophet and as a musician and a singer, he would be declaring the praises of God. He would be prophesying what God was like. He would be singing songs like, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He would be singing songs like that. And then he's singing a song, how long, God? Have you deserted us? He would be singing, the heavens declare the glory of God. He would be singing this song. Blessed is the one who delights in the law and on his law he meditates day and night. He would be singing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and give you peace. But today he's singing, where are you? Where are you, God? You see, don't beat yourself up because you get into a moment of a questioning. Where is God? What is he doing? Why is he doing things this way? You can be a person of praise and worship and passion for God, but you will also have those questions in your heart too, just like Habakkuk. So what would you say if you were totally honest with God? Would you say, God, I feel like this is unfair I feel like this is too painful. I'm hurting. I don't want to do that. God, I I know what you're asking me to do. I don't want to do it. If you were totally honest, is that what you'd say? I think a second question today is what would we discover if we were totally honest with God? And that's what we're going to get into this morning. What did Habakkuk discover through his honesty with God. You see, I think um, this book teaches us a few things about honesty with God. It teaches us God prefers honesty to apathy. There were lots of people who saw the situation but said nothing. There were lots of people who, like Habakkuk, saw everything that was happening, but they actually didn't pray any prayers. They didn't lean into God. They didn't reach out in any way. I think God prefers our honesty over our apathy. You know, God prefers you to say I'm hurting than for you to say nothing. 
God prefers you, you to say, God, I just don't like what you're doing right now in my life. God prefers that than you saying nothing. He prefers our honesty to our apathy. You see, God prefers our honesty to ghosting. You know, the worst thing about the pandemic, I've said it many times, is that we couldn't see people. People are online and you can't see people. And, uh, you know, like you, you, you're like thinking, where are people? You know, and, and, and there's a thing online. There's a thing. I might not be online because my devices are playing up but any longer. But anyway, um, there's a thing online, you know, where you text somebody and you never get a text back or you send a message or an emoji and you never get any. It's called ghosting. You know they've read it. In email, you used to have the read receipt, didn't you? But it's called ghosting. I think lots of Christians right now are ghosting God. Maybe they're hurt because of the pandemic. Maybe they're hurt because we lost some people. Maybe they're hurt because whatever went on. And right now, yeah, God's speaking. He's always speaking. God's moving. He's always moving. The church is there. It's always going to be there. Jesus said he'll build it, but they're ghosting God. I want to tell you, God prefers honesty to ghosting. It can work with honesty. God likes our honesty because at least we're talking. Honesty is an invitation for God to dialogue with us, for God to talk to us, for God to change our mindsets, for God to heal us. Honesty is something God prefers. And the other thing I love about this, God has never nuked anybody for their honesty. You shouldn't have said that. Zap. Gone. Not for their honesty. Not for their honesty. Never for their honesty. So, I want to share three things that I think Habakkuk discovered and we need to discover. And Habakkuk discovered these through his honesty with God, through his pouring out of how he felt and his emotions to God. He found and discovered these three things. And they're going to help us today. So are you ready? Number one, God is working. God is working. What was his first complaint? Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you letting all this happen? He discovered God says, I'm working. In Job 34 and verse 20, and the context describes a situation where things are happening around us. In the world, the message translation concludes this section of Job where it says, we know that God is working behind the scenes. Come on, let's believe that church. We know that God is working behind the scenes. You, 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 you might have to have an operation. You might be having some tests. You might be feeling all alone in some circumstance or situation. And it might get worse before it gets better. But come on, let's have the faith today to know that God is working behind the scenes. I, I think about the story that Andy and Kirsty told about our Derby campus. They told the story about how they uh, were looking for a new venue coming out of the pandemic to meet and they, they got this venue, this hotel, in the center of Derby, but it wasn't their first choice. They didn't want to be there. Andy quite honestly shares, we just, I just did not want to be there for a variety of reasons. And so they move into that hotel, and they have two or three meetings, and then Andy gets a phone call from the hotel manager and says, I've got to, uh, 
I've got to, um, he didn't say kick you out, I've got to ask you not to meet for about three months. Just found a venue and now the venue's taken away. And he said, the reason is we've got 80 refugees from Afghanistan coming. And we're going to be, we've been chosen as the hotel to house them. Andy obviously understood and went quickly to think about what other venues could we use for a period of three months, etc. He then got another phone call just maybe the same day or could have been part of the same phone call where the manager said, I wonder if you can help us because they're arriving tomorrow and we need help settling them. They're coming and they're coming with their families, with their children. Could you help them? And so Andy and Kirsty managed to get a team of 23 people from our church with one day's notice who went down and helped settle 18 families, 80 Afghanistan refugees into that hotel, 18 families that had fled the Taliban in fear of their lives. We only moved out of that hotel for three weeks, I think it was, and now there are refugees who join us for coffee after every service. Now on a Sunday afternoon, sometimes we leave our equipment up and families can come in and we play them a movie for the families to enjoy. Um, We run a parent and toddler group every week for these refugees, families. Some have been moved on to other cities because they can only live in one place for a a short time and then they're moved on and then they can decide after I think it's three months where they will live. And some have come back, some who've been moved away have come back to see Andy and they've said to him, once that time is over, we're coming back to Derby because of the welcome and the, the inclusion that was shown to us. Like, when that happened, why God? What's going on? But God was working behind the scenes. We didn't get our first choice building Uh, But God knew why we didn't get our first choice building. Because he was positioning us for something greater than a building. Habakkuk thought God had forgotten um, them. God was absent. But God said, "Uh, you can trust me. I've got it in hand. I'm working. You know, this may speak to you today, you know, where you may be saying in an area of your life, where's God? Let's trust God that he's working today. He's at work. Right now, he's working behind the scenes. I wonder how many of us have got stories where we didn't get our first choice or it wasn't the best situation that we wanted, but God was at work, even in the midst of our chaos. 29 years ago, Jeannie had a car accident, a car. She was a passenger, and she had Sam as an eight-week-old baby. She was a passenger, and... um, sat in the back of a car, and a car came around the corner, hit her sister's car head on. Jeannie um, went through the passenger seat. She rugby passed Sam into the footwell, and she went head first through the windscreen of the car head on. And uh, she she needed 32 stitches in her face, 32 stitches because of the damage that had done. And they're down, they're about to do the stitches in the hospital. And the, I can't say this, but let's have a go. The Max Illo facial surgeon just happened to be coming off shift. Just happened to be coming off shift. One of the nurses or doctors 
saw that as they passed and they ran out to get this surgeon who said, oh, I'm just leaving, I'm coming off, off shift. And somebody said to Jeannie, like, you need that person. That's the best person in the hospital for this. You know, they, they're, doing, they're doing this. The guy agreed to stay after his shift and he sewed Jeannie up and, you know, who would know that Jeannie's face was completely torn apart in a car accident. Jesus healed a lame man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders criticized him for doing it. They would rather the man stay lame than have a rule broken. And in response, Jesus said this. Because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said, my father is always at work. Even when you're thrown through a windscreen, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Even when it's Sabbath, my father is always at work. Where's God at the pandemic? He's been working. Where's God in this moment, in this situation? He's working. We know, as Job says, God is working behind the scenes. It's no accident you're hearing this message today. You need to know that God is at work in that situation where you thought he was absent. Come on, everybody. Let's praise him. The second thing is that God will do what is right. Oh, God will do what is just. He is just. He will do what is right. Habakkuk is looking at the injustice. He's looking at the corrupt leadership. And he has to learn and has to be reminded that God will do ultimately what is right. You see this as part of our faith as Christians. Our faith as Christians is not that we get to go, just that we get to go to heaven. Our faith as Christians is not just that we get our sins forgiven, but we believe that God is a just God and that God will do what is right ultimately and that he will judge the world in fairness and righteousness. You know, Acts chapter 17 speaks to this. 17 and 31 says, He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That's Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus is risen from the dead knowing that he is also coming king and he is the one who will set all wrongs to right. You see, having faith is not just knowing that Jesus died to forgive us or to give us eternal life. Having faith also encompasses that God is just and will ultimately do what is right. He will judge the world with justice and so I can trust God with it. I don't have to have a fit because so-and-so is prime minister or such-and-such is uh, like... um, president or, 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 or this nation is rising up or this is happening, I actually can do what God tells us to do and work for justice in our world, but actually know that God ultimately will judge our world. Psalm 9 and verse 8 says, He will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples fairly. If God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, if God judged the people in the time of Noah, if he judged people in the tower of, time of the Tower of Babel, if he judged the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, God will judge our world yeah. fairly and righteously too. 
I don't know if you know that about Jesus and these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and um, Capernaum. Jesus said in Luke 10, 10, 13 to 15, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment that for you. And you, Capernaum, you will not be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. If you visit those three cities today, and Jeannie and I have visited them, they are completely uninhabited cities. A friend of mine who went on a tour of Israel asked the, um, asked the tour guide, and he said, um, why does no one live here today? And the tour guide said, don't you know your Bible? And Jesus judged these cities. Jesus told these cities that they would face judgment. You see, what did Habakkuk learn when he was conversing with God, pouring out his heart, believing that God wasn't asked, uh, acting the way he should? He learned that God will always do what is right and that God can be trusted to do what is just. We get so stressed, don't we, at many things. We hold on to fear. We fire off our tweets. We hold on to fear. We hold on to resentment. We hold on to worry and bitterness. But we can leave things with God because he will do what is right. He can do that. We fight and we become defensive. But we can leave some stuff with God because he'll take care of it. He will do what is right. We can leave it at his feet because he will do what is right. (laughs) Timothy Keller, who's a pastor in New York, said this, Worry is not believing God will get it right. And bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Just think about that. Worry is not believing God will get it right. But bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Habakkuk was well on his way to bitterness. And you know bitterness, it just eats away at your soul, doesn't it? He was well on the way to thinking God's got all this wrong. But he learned to trust God and that God will get it right. He's the judge of the whole earth. And he will judge fairly and he will judge righteously. There will be a day of reckoning that he will hold. Scripture teaches us all individuals and all nations will hold an account before God. And he will do what is right. Leave it to God. If you're holding on, if you've been holding on for too long, holding on because you're not sure that God has it, but he does have it. Sometimes you can hold on to that bitterness, that fear, that anger, that resentment, even hatred. You can hold on to hurt and unforgiveness because we wrongly believe if we hold on to it then justice is still alive or justice is still happening no it's just killing us it's just destroying our souls but we can leave it to God and say God you're the judge you're the judge leave it to him personally let it go let God have it I've had to do this at times in my life and I've had to say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not letting this heat away at me any longer. I give this to you. And I'm not going to pick it up again. And maybe this morning you're here because you need to do this. God, I can't have this in my hands any longer. It's just hurting me. It's killing me. It's destroying my peace, my joy, my soul. I can't have it here any longer. I'm giving it to you. 
I'm giving it to you. When we're honest with God, we learn to trust that God is just. And then the final thing that Habakkuk learned and we learned is that God will be faithful to deliver his people. Craig Wells was singing right of stage, just the place Habakkuk sang in the temple. He was singing today. It was one year ago today. He told me this morning he was admitted into intensive care. One year ago today. And yet today he's singing these words, leading the song, You are God, faithful through the ages. Let me say that. You are God, faithful through the ages. We're going to finish with that song in just a moment. You know, we have faith that God can save us, don't we? We have faith that Jesus died for our sins to reconcile us to God, to give us a relationship with God. And if you're here today or you're watching online today and you don't have a relationship with God, we need to tell you today that God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago to die for your sins and my sins so that we could have a relationship with him. And, And you get an opportunity before the close of this service to start that relationship today. We can have faith in God's salvation. We can have faith in God's justice and righteousness, as I've just said, that he will do what is right. We also can have faith in his faithfulness to deliver his people. God keeps his promises. How do we know this? God keeps his promises. We know this because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Romans 1 verses 1 to 3, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who in his earthly life was a descendant of David. In Jesus, God did everything he previously promised. He fulfilled everything he previously promised. That's how we know that God is faithful. He sent a savior, he sent a king who would save us and rescue us from the kingdom of this world and bring us into the kingdom of God. Look what Paul says a little later on. Romans chapter five, verses six to eight. The band, come on, come get ready. Because we're gonna declare you are God, faithful through the ages. Romans five, verses six to eight says, you see at just the right time, Not a day late, not a day early. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God promised and he delivered. God promised to deliver us and he sent his son as our savior. You see, Habakkuk is worried about what's gonna happen to the nation of Judah. He's seen the destruction of Israel and he fears the same fate for the nation of Judah. And he thinks God has abandoned the world. But in his honest conversations, he discovers God hasn't finished yet. This is not the end of the story and is reminded that God will be faithful to deliver his people. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of your story. God isn't finished. In fact, the best is yet to come. 
the best is yet to come. I know some people worry about that phrase, but Habakkuk is in a bleak place. He, he thinks the future is bleak. He thinks it's just got bleaker because God says, I'm going to use the Babylonians. I'm going to use that person to speak to you. I'm going to use that situation to judge Judah. He thinks everything's shrinking. It's all going wrong. But look what God says to Habakkuk in chapter 2 and verse 14. A day's coming, he says, when the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Not just Judah, not just Israel, not just the Middle East, but the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord. His people will see His glory, God says, in the future, but not just His people, the whole earth, because God is faithful to deliver His people. There's 101 ways that God delivers us, but God is faithful to deliver us. And God will rescue you. He will deliver you. He's not finished. In your circumstance, in your situation, in the thing God has spoken into your heart about today, He's not finished. In fact, he might just be getting started. God is faithful. His promises can be trusted. He's never failed yet, and he's not about to start now. He's never failed yet, and he's not about to start now. Come on.